That's the title, Who's Washing the Dishes? Now, it flourished the last time, it was all about umbrellas, and I said, right, now we're having a thought, I'm going to do scripture about umbrellas, and they all looked at me as if I had two heads, and I said, no, there is no verse in the Bible that has umbrellas in it. And can I just say, there is no verse in the Bible that mentions about washing the dishes, okay? <laughs> so I'm, sit, I'm praying and praying and praying, um, well, what do I speak on on that? And this passage of scripture came to me, and over the last four weeks, it has just been there all the time. And as I've studied this passage and went really into it, um, well, I hope you get something out of it this morning, because I really feel that the Lord wants me to bring this. Um, I'm going to look at Jeremiah chapter 18, first of all, Jeremiah 18, and it's verse 1. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as best seemed, as it seemed best to him. And then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Amen. This um, chapter is really about Israel and about the Lord looking on and the state that Israel's in. So to have a wee bit in there about a potter at the wheel throwing a pot seems a bit random, really, when you think about it. Um, But, you know, as I started to um, look at um, what a potter does, there's nothing random in the Bible at all. Everything fits in. Um, and I'm going to take us through four steps, four stages of what you do to throw a pot and make a vessel, okay? And I'm sorry, I don't have any overheads or overheads, <laughs> any, any presentations. Um, Courtney came over, she said, Jeanette, do you have any presentations? I said, you having a laugh? <laughs> I don't do computers. I mean, it takes me all my time to work my phone and, you know, um, do stuff like that. So, no, I'd love to have been able to put something up there for you to, to watch, but no. Um, <laughs> um, and I thought, I can't ask Dion or Derek, they'll be thinking again. <laughs> Two years in a row, there was a programme on the television called The Great Pottery Throwdown, BBC Two. Did you watch that? I loved it. Um, and my sister down in Bath used to watch it. We used to text each other, you know, through the programme. And it was amateur potters who, I think it was 12 it started off, kind of like the bake-off, you know, one was eliminated each week. And they all have different skills. Some of them are more sculptors than potters, to be honest. But they got a task. I think the first one was, like, they had to throw um, the pot in the clay and make, like, 12 egg cups, which are to more or less the same. And honest to goodness, you should have seen that some of them. Um, and it was, the wheel was going too fast. But then it, in the second section, they'd have a master class 
where a master potter would show them how to do something, and then they had to go away and do it. Um, and it was quite fascinating as it got down and down and down to the very last. And some of the things were quite bizarre, actually. Um, the last season it started, an egg cup ended up to make a toilet that actually flushed. It was, as you do, that's what you'd sit in your shed and make, wouldn't you? <laughs> anyway, the first step um, and throwing a pot. Have any of you ever tried that? We did it once at school years ago. And I mean, if the pot that I had made, honest to goodness, oh, it was awful. Um, the first step is balancing the clay. And this technique is called centering the clay. And the whole purpose is of this step is to bring the clay to a point of workability. If the piece loses its balance, then the potter has to start again. How often in, in your life, in your Christian life, in life in general, you've just felt that you've lost your way and your purpose, and you had to start over again? Well, that's what sometimes the potter has to do. The potter then places his hands on both sides of the clay. His left arm is firmly wedged against his side, with his left hand on that side of the pot, and the other hand, the right hand, starts to work the clay as the, the wheel starts to turn. The clay starts to form between his hands and his grip becomes firmer and the right hand moves towards the left. Do you know a lot about the right hand in the Bible? A lot about the right hand in the Bible. As the clay responds to his hands, his hands start to move up and down the clay as needed to keep it centered. The clay starts to fight back. Does that sound familiar? Self-will? Over obedience? And suddenly, though, as the potter works, the struggle is over. And the ball of the clay is balanced. How many times in your life have you resisted God's call and plan for your life, hoping the voice will stop when in reality it just persists because you will get no peace until you say yes to the Lord. When we began our journey with the Lord, accepting him as saviour is only the very start. You know, you put your hand up in the service or you, you say the sinner's prayer, that is only the very start of your journey. As we start to learn more about what it means to be a Christian, you know, God's word says we need to repent repent as well. And that means to turn away from your old life and embrace your new life in Christ. Completely turn away from your old life. That's gone. And embrace your new life in Christ. To put away old habits and allow God to make you into the person he wants you to be. God starts to turn the wheel and to mold you and shape you. And in order that we need to stop struggling with self-will and allow him to do the work in us. The scripture verse says the clay was moved in his hands, was marred in his hands, sorry. Verse said the clay was marred in his hands. And the scripture tells us that we've all sinned. We're all sinners, so we're marred people. And he forms it into something else. God wants, us to God wants to center us and bring balance to our lives. 
The centering process only, process only stops when the struggle ceases and you rest in the potter's hands. Do you know, Christ understands our struggles and our weaknesses. He faced quite a few of his own. The, bigger, the biggest one that I think, and this is only my personal opinion, the biggest battle that Christ faced was in the Garden of Gethsemane. When his struggle was so overwhelming, he sweat drops of blood. But he came to a place of surrender to his father's will. We sang about that this morning. There's a line in one of the songs about surrendering. And he, he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he, came, he went to Calvary and did what he came to earth to do in the first place. He became sin that knew no sin for you and me. Scripture tells us, sorry. Do you see when you think about that? That should stop you in your tracks every time. Scripture tells us to take up our cross daily and follow him. It's a complete surrender to him. No have measures, folk. It's a complete surrender of will to him. Step two, the clay is opened. In order to open the clay, the potter must find the center of the clay. He does this by first taking a few dribbles of water and his sponge and letting it pour over the clay. Who's washing the dishes? Then he places his hands, both hands, on the side of the clay and his thumbs resting on the upper surface. Then as the clay is spun, his thumbs very gently and he carefully to the center. And as he reaches his, the center, his thumbs stiffen and he carefully pushes downwards. A small indentation is now at the very center of the clay. God puts his thumbprints on the clay. We are his. Do you know in life we're identified by our thumbprints, aren't we? We're identified because every thumbprint is unique. That's quite incredible as well. Um, that's how we are identified in life by our thumbprints. And we are totally unique to God our Father as well. There's only one of me. I'm saying thank goodness. Um, only one of you. There's only one of each of us. The potter moves on, leaving one hand along the side of the clay. The potter takes his other hand and places his four fingers in the indentation and pushes down. And the goal is not to dig the clay out, but to move the clay. If the clay has been centered correctly, it opens up, creating a thick wall between his thumbs and remaining fingers. The lump of clay is now a vessel. Do you know, as God puts you, his hand on you and starts to mold you and shape you, you become a vessel that he can use. If the clay, sorry, the change has begun and the potter then rechecks it for balance. Like the potter, God is opening us to himself, shaping us as we allow ourselves to be centered in him. Then the next step, the potter is ready to create a strong base. He takes one of the sponges and cleans out the interior of the spinning 
clay. Again, who is washing dishes? There is now an open vessel set, sitting on a strong base. Psalm 42, and I love this verse, says, He has set my feet upon a rock and given me a firm place to stand. Where are you standing this morning? On the rock or on the sand? To be open before the Lord means we have to be willing, and I'm going to say it again and make no apologies for saying it, as we need to surrender all to him. William Booth, I'm going back to my roots here with a couple of quotes this morning. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, wrote, The greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. Can I say that again? The greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. You know, Steve was talking about at the beginning, about taking faith and about seeing things happening in church. You know, I believe it's as we surrender our all to the Lord that he's going to start and do amazing things. Step three. You still with me? <laughs> the clay is lifted up. Once the clay is opened, the potter quickly moves the clay into a tall cylinder. And this is the beginning of a very fragile stage of the pot's formation. The clay is fragile during the lifting process because the walls are thinned. Do you know, our journey can sometimes be very difficult. We can go through some really tough situations which stretch us to our limit and make us feel so fragile. And do you know, there's... I think Anne even mentioned this in her prayer earlier, there are quite a few in our church at the moment that are going through some really, really tough um, challenges in their life. And, you know, sometimes we can only talk about our own challenges. And over the years, I've faced quite a few, if I'm being very honest. And sometimes, during these tough struggles, we feel that heaven is silent. But can I tell you from experience that God is always, always at work on our behalf. Oswald Chambers wrote, when heaven is silent, it's because God can trust you in the silence. Because when it's silent, you have to depend on everything that you've learned from Scripture to keep you. You know, there's a verse I love in the Bible, and it says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes we need to remember that, folks. It's not about getting alongside. It's about encouraging yourself in the Lord, getting before the Lord, and just being there until God gives you something. And when we face a battle, a really tough battle, you know, I, I used, I think I've mentioned this quickly in the past and before. Um, the last four years have been particularly difficult, um, losing people. And, and I felt fear for the first time, fear that was crippling, a fear that I've never, ever experienced before. But I had to battle that out. And for me, the best way was, I, you know, every morning for months, I, as soon as I got up, I'd put that song on, you're no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. And I would repeat scripture passages throughout the day, fear not for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Fear not for I... I am your God. Um, all the scripture verses I could think of, I would just repeat them till eventually I won the battle. Um, do you know, folks, there is no substitute for God's word and spending time in his presence. There is no substitute for it. Um, 
So take time. Do you know that we, well, I, I don't do any of the, the, the Facebook things or the Twitters or whatever else is on there. As I say, I can hardly work my phone, but never mind, do all that. But you know, they'll not give us the answers to our problems. Our hope is found in Christ alone. God understands our seasons of fragility, and he is walking alongside, helping us through them. He doesn't always take them away, folks, but he has never leave you on your own. He'll always walk beside you. And again, I'm going back to my roots. And this was a man, if you grew up in the Salvation Army, you would hear a lot about. And that was Commissioner Samuel Brengle, who was, his thing was holiness. And when we grew up in the Salvation Army, you had two services. You had your holiness meeting in the morning and your salvation meeting at night. And in the morning, you got teaching about holiness and what it meant to live a holy life. Um, and Commissioner Brengel, I think, he's, he's world famous um, with the theologians, etc. And he wrote this, The great battles that decide our destiny and the destiny of generations yet unborn are not fought on public platforms, but in the lonely hours of the night and in moments of agony. That's true, isn't it? Sometimes that's when we're down on our knees in the still hours of the night that the battles are won. Can I just repeat that? The, ba the great battles that decide our destiny and the destiny of generations yet unborn are not fought on public platforms, but in the lonely hours of the night and in moments of agony. As the potter continues to shape the pot, as the clay continues to rise upwards, the aim of the potter is not to force the clay, but to grow the clay towards a single point. When the insides of the clay Sorry, when the insides, I can't read my own writing, when the insides of the cylinder is growing correctly, the outside takes care of itself. You know, when the inside, when you take care of the inside, the outside takes care of itself. And God says, God doesn't look at the outward appearance, he looks at the inside of a man's heart. First Peter 5 and 6 says, So be humble under God's powerful hand, then he will lift you up when the right time comes. As the potter works at shaping the pot, he continually takes a sponge and pours water into it, making it pliable. During the passage, I, I was, this really struck me last week, Stevie was reading the passage from Ephesians chapter 5, and the, the verse 26 read regarding the church, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the, the word. That was in our scripture reading we read, we read last week. Who's washing the dishes? We live in a very fragile world at the moment, and God is calling his church to rise up and make his voice heard to bring hope to a dying world. Step four. The tall cylinder spins before the potter, ready to be shaped. It is the shaping of the clay where the, the art of the artist is truly seen. It is the time when the potter slows the wheel down and spends very specific, detailed time with the clay. In fact, the clay stands very fragile in the potter's hand. The slightest wrong movement will result in a full collapse of the pot. In her book, Breathe, I'm working through Charlotte Gamble's book, Breathe, at the minute. It's a, not a, well, it's a daily reading. One day you read the scripture and you meditate on the scripture verse. The next day, as you've meditated on, you write down your thoughts. 
about the, the verse, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I was still praying, is this the right word I have to bring? And this is what I read the other day there. She speaks about the middle zone, the place where many quit and fall down. The enemy wants your middle moments for, and wants for you in your middle moments for you to sink. Swim back to the shore. He is nervous you may realize what he already knows, that if you push past your middle point, you will cl be closer to your next shore than you were before. There is a miracle in the middle if you don't quit. The middle reveals what's in the middle of you. God can do miracles in the middle. And that's very true. Do you know, I wonder how many wounded people are out there because they quit in the middle. They didn't wait until God worked the miracle. You know, and that's a tough place to be, a really tough place to be. But as I say, God never leaves you in, in the middle. In 2 Kings 4, um, there's a scripture there about the widow, you know, and she was at crisis point. Um, she'd lost her husband and she had no money, etc. And she cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a very little oil. Elisha said, go round and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour, all, pour oil into all the jars, and as each one is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. In the middle of a crisis, the widows, she thought there was no way out, but God performed a miracle in the middle of her crisis. The oil only stopped flowing. And this, was a, this really struck me this week because I was reading that. The oil only stopped flowing because there were no more empty vessels. The miracle stopped because there was no more empty vessels. God is still looking for empty vessels to fill his purposes. But during the fragile stage of shaping the pot, the potter's eyes never leave the clay. Slowly, very slowly, the clay takes the shape the potter has in mind. Each stroke and shaping is small. God never rushes either. His eyes are always on us, and we need to keep our eyes on him. Often, you know, this, this just blew my mind when I was doing this study and I read this, but often when the potter looks into the pot, the water in the base reflects his image. As the potter's doing the pot, because he's in the bottom of the water into the pot, he looks down, he can see his image in the bottom of the pot. That's what God our Father wants to see in us. As he's molding and shaping us, when he looks at us, he wants to see his image reflected in us. He wants to see himself through us. And you know, that is my prayer every single morning before I go out to work. 
the head out the door, that I would be his hands and his feet and reflect his image, that people will see Jesus in me. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we who with veiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We have been transformed into his glory. And the more we allow ourselves to be shaped and molded, the more that people will see Jesus reflected in us. We need to be empty before the Lord. You know, a vessel is shaped when it's shaped for use. It's empty waiting to be filled. You can't fill a vessel that's fully stuff. You know, you wouldn't take a pot out of the cupboard and if it was still a bit dirty or had some in it, you wouldn't put your, your potatoes or anything. You'd, you'd have it emptied. And that's what God's wanting. He wants us to empty ourselves so that he can fill us with his spirit, ready to do his will, to allow him to shape us. The potter creates something beautiful out of the clay. God does the same with us if we allow him to shape us and mold us, mold us to who he wants us to be. And you know the the clay, doesn't it talk about, it just talks about the potter doing the clay. Because if the, the potter, once the potter fires the clay, puts it into a kiln, then it's very fragile and it's only used for one thing. With the potter, if he keeps the clay, he can reshape it and mold it as many times as he wants. And that's what the Lord's wanting to do for us. God is looking for a surrendered people. You know, there's a song, I don't think we've ever sung it. Well, John didn't think we'd ever sung it. It was Darlene Jack wrote it many years ago, The Potter's Hand. Mold me, shape me. Sorry? Yeah, mold me, shape me, use me, fill me. I give my life to the potter's hands. God's looking for a surrendered people who are shaped and molded by him, ready to go out into a fractured world and bring hope. Show his love in action and let people know how much God loves them so much that he sent Jesus to die for them. If ever there was a time where we need, as a church, to show hope and be ready to go out into the, the, the communities that we live in. I'm going to finish, before I just pray, I'm going to want you to just sit. I'm going to play a song, I Surrender All. I don't know if we, we grew up singing this. All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence, daily live. I surrender all. Um, it does get a bit loud in the middle. I will say it's the sila. It's a super arrangement. I love it. But um, it's the words. And you make your own prayer this morning. Are you willing to be emptied, shaped and molded, ready for the Lord to use us as a church? And then we'll pray it then.
Father, we just come before you this morning and we thank you, Father, that you've been in our midst. And Father, I just ask that you would take your word. And Father, that you would help us, Father, to just think on the word this morning. Father, that you're looking for a people who are willing to be shaped and molded by you. Father, to become empty vessels set apart, Father, for you. And Father God, I just thank you that, Father, that's your desire this morning, Father God, to take us, marred as we are, but Father God, you take us and you renew us and you make us into people who reflect your image. But Father God, we need to be willing and open, Father, to surrender all to you. Father God, you surrendered everything. Father, Jesus came and took our sin, Father God, and Father, this morning, you're looking for a people who will surrender all to you, Father God, who will go out into the communities where they work, where they live. Father God, and bring hope to the people round about them. Father God, that you are the answer, Father God, to what is going on in our world right now. So, Father God, we just ask that you would help us, Father, in the days that lie ahead, Father God, to rise up and be the people that you want us to be. Fill us with your Holy Spirit to overflowing, Father God. And just bless us this morning. Thank you for your presence with us, Father God. And as we continue in our service, we ask that you will continue to dwell with us in Jesus' name. Amen.